All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite city. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel Dabana. And I'm David Uyoa. And with us today, a very special guest, uh, someone who has been a friend of the show and the podcast for, you can say, her entire life. My sister, Lisa Uyoa. Welcome. Hi. It's so nice to have you here. I, I just like to be included. <laughs> we well, uh we we have that in common <laughs> yeah it's a they Yoda pitched thing. the idea of you being on here and i was like oh she was good on geek more let's see what she can do here i guess so oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um daniel had this idea uh and i think it's a it's a great idea of uh doing something specifically for uh international women's day Yes. And, uh, uh, so yesterday was actually International Women's Day. Um, but you know, well, we're like, a day late and a dollar short. But uh, you know what? It's I. I think it's the effort that counts. Right. Uh, because we're not going to change our schedule for anyone. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's, we 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 go out on Wednesdays. Go. You know, we go out on Wednesdays. But you know, it, every day should be International Women's Day. So let's celebrate it today. There we go. And, and I and a like girl. I th- it, well, yes. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think I saw on my planner that it's also like I think that like just March has now become like International yes. Women's Month as well. So we're we're still we're still right in there. Oh, yeah, okay, the whole good. month. Yeah, yeah. it's about time they gave us a month. So well, yeah. Well, uh, Lisa is actually um, on the diversity and inclusion team at her company. So uh, so this is like something that's like near and dear to her heart. You know this this idea of uh, celebrating. You know. All people, all cultures, genders, um, sexes, and 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 all that. So, um, I for one think it's fantastic to have a movie like this that uh, definitely does celebrate the female characters in in movies uh, and and in horror movies in particular, especially where you know some of these stereotypes are. Um, definitely not great uh you know you 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 have to look back on some of these movies with uh you know rose-colored glasses and and oh absolutely you know uh, okay you know i'm I'm watching it as if it came out in the 1980s and you know it's there's no problem here i'm just kind of enjoying it for what it is sort of thing um so this movie in particular the final girls right uh daniel you haven't you had not seen this i had not seen today. this no this yeah. was uh this was my first viewing of it um and uh like what was interesting was i was texting you like right at the beginning of getting started because i was under the impression that basically like you know when it started and it was showing the trailer for camp bloodbath or whatever i was like oh weird like that's a movie in the movie i thought that was like the whole thing so then i was trying to figure out what was going to happen 
And then all of a sudden, you know, they end up in the movie and I was like, I'm there's, there's so much happening already. And it was, it was weird. It was a very weird ride at the front, but uh, once I kind of figured out what I was doing, I strapped in, I was ready. So yeah, this was my first viewing. Uh, That's awesome. I I love it when I get to introduce you to something. Um, This is something that I had talked up a bit every now and then uh nary and i uh who used to do this podcast with us uh now i guess occasionally may do the podcast with us um uh possibly yeah uh, the woo bro is going on at the same time as Mm -hmm. we do this so it's hard for him to come on uh but you can catch us with him on mount geekmore another uh geek bro network podcast um he and i are big fans of this movie and uh, I remember when this trailer dropped back in like 2014 or 2015 or something like that. And I was really excited to go see it. And then I didn't see it because I missed the release. Like it was released to very little fanfare. Um, and then I didn't get around to it until about 2017 or 2018. Um, Lisa, do you remember anything about? Yeah. I this? mean, I remember specifically Dave telling me, Oh my God, Lisa, you have to watch this movie. It is like so up your alley. You're going to love it. And so I was like, oh yeah, David, I'll get around to it. You know, because if anybody knows David, he has hundreds of movies that he always wants to recommend and there are just not enough time to watch it. So I was like, yeah, 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 totally, totally. And I don't remember, it was a random night. I was at home and uh, our other sister, Teresa, she and I were looking for something to watch. I was like, you know, David keeps telling us to watch this movie. Let's just watch it. And I was very very pleasantly surprised that was the first time that i watched it it was all because of david so yeah i you're, you're talking about the, just very little bit of fanfare i honest I, like i don't even remember this movie ever being in theaters like this mm. is a movie i only learned about from you and nary actually um uh, in the past couple years i had actually never even heard of this until very recently i was shocked to find out it came out in 2015 and i'd gone this long or you know even 2 years ago gone that long not even knowing it existed yeah it's it's one of those weird ones and it's odd because when when something is good and i think that this is a really good movie uh and we'll we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit when something is good people like talk about it and word of mouth you know kind of spreads this thing so anything i hear about this movie from the people who have seen it is is only like stellar glowing reviews so that tells me something you know uh there is something like innate something in this movie that speaks to people um it just didn't get that sort of wide release that would have allowed it to speak to more people unfortunately and it's interesting because the cast has pretty you know it's not like you know a-list people but it's got a good cast also you know so so i was really surprised that it didn't have such a wider you know marketing done for it because it does have some good names in it too so yeah i was uh, i was pleasantly surprised um with all of the names that i saw like when this started because um, you know, like just just from looking at it at the beginning, I was like, wait a minute, like I know some of these names. It took a second for some of them to click. And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's the girl from American Horror Story. And then, yeah. you know, and then you start putting these things together. And uh, I was like, OK, yeah, like I'm ready for this, uh, which, by the way, in all of these years of knowing both of their names, like knowing um, that they had the same last name, it never occurred to me that the girl from American Horror Story that's in this is sisters with the chick who plays uh, Lorraine Warren 
in oh, the Conjuring series. You hadn't realized that before. I they I, had, and I knew, but I knew they had the same. Was last because name. they I just never put such it a large age difference. I yeah. mean, it's really not even that large. I mean, you think of you know David, me, and our younger brother, and it's basically even that's a wider gap than us with our younger brother. But yeah, so you don't think that they're related, but they totally are. They're sisters. So um, mm-hmm. Vera, I think, is the oldest one, and she's yeah. the youngest one. So I think that's why there's such an age gap between yeah. them. Yeah, I just and they actually never, both just, exist in the Conjuring universe because Taisa yeah. was in, uh, in the Nun. In the Nun, yeah, and yeah. like that, and that's yeah. Then I started putting all these things together, and I was like, "This is crazy." Also, I've just for years been calling her Teresa because I just never paid that much attention to how it was spelled. <laughs> so, just now hearing you say Taisa, I'm like, "Yep, yep," been been pronouncing that wrong until this very moment. <laughs> well, it, I, I think it's either Taisa or Taysa. No, it's um, Taisa. I thought it was Taisa. Yeah. What it's definitely not is Teresa. It's not. It, it Teresa. is not Teresa. No. You are correct about that. You are right about being wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, so this this movie is, I want to say, somewhat unique because it's not entirely unique. This idea of getting sucked into a movie. And using your knowledge of the tropes, because really, when you when you stop and think about it, this was done about 20 years before in a movie I absolutely love and doesn't get enough credit. Uh, a little Arnold Schwarzenegger flick called Last Action Hero. Yep. Right. In uh, reverse. So, right. Because it's like he well, gets it, pulled it, out both, of the both, movie. Both things happen. Oh, yeah. That's because, right. That's because right. The, 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 the magic movie ticket sucks the boy into the movie That's and then right. and then he and schwarzenegger get spit out together a long time since i've seen that one uh and, and that's the thing uh last action hero doesn't get the respect it deserves i think because since it is a satire and it is a spoof you know it's it's kind of easy to overlook it and look at the things that it it does ape on you know so go back to those other schwarzenegger movies that you know it's 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 you know it's uh satirizing so this does that same thing but i think it does it um in uh, in a better way and and it's uh it's something intangible it's hard to describe why i think this is better uh and handles the concept better than last action hero does but uh, there, there is something really interesting here because you have homage and satire happening at exactly the same time. So um, what are your overall thoughts? We'll get a little bit more specific as the show goes on. But what are your overall thoughts on the movie and, and how this homage and, and, and satire work together to create something that's pretty unique? Lisa? Great. Since it is International Women's Month, I will go first. Um, <laughs> so I uh, I think it does a really good job of balancing the two. Like, honestly, I think that it's uh, it plays, you know, homage when it needs to. Like, it has that honor to the classics. But then there's also the, like, you know ridiculous satire at certain times and you know there's the good balance of the two where i think that's what that that's that intangible thing that you're talking about dave like Mm. what is it and it's because it does the balance so well that you can't put your finger on oh it's this it's this you can't really place it you know it's funny it's emotional it's a you know slashery so it's all of these different things and i think that's why you can't put your finger on what exactly it is that sets it apart from everything else it's just really done well in the sense of yeah i'm gonna be all of these things and i'm gonna do it well 
And I think what when you're looking at this movie and you're looking at the homage satire aspect of it, um, to say unique, I think is a little bit of a stretch. I think it's just it's it's a step further than some of the things that have come before it, right? Like Scream was satirical and and an homage. Uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare satirical and an homage. But what this does is it takes those to another level. So it, I, I I don't know, but like I I didn't. I didn't like I didn't think the word unique necessarily, but I do think it is kind of in a class of its own, um, mm-hmm. just in this realm of these other things. I, I thought it was a pretty good movie. There were there were there were some definite faults here that I'll get to as we get into it, but overall, those few faults I don't think outweighed the fact that what we got here was funny for all the right reasons. It was it it wasn't it wasn't super scary, but it was it was definitely slashery. Right. Mm. And so you got all of these, you got all of these things kind of thrown in there. But what was really cool um, in the satire aspect of it was it didn't just do the things that it was going to make fun of. It like did the things and then addressed them, which mm-hmm. I thought was, which I thought was really great. I loved when, uh, when the one dude basically like, like, just grabs Adam Devine by the back of the head um, for dropping that F bomb. Right. And, and like, <laughs> and, 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 and he's just, and, and, and he like just reams him just like right there. And it's like, okay, cool. So now that guy is fully aware of the fact that that's not an okay word to use. And right. so you're talking about how you go back and you watch these things, you know, through the lens. And that's what you always have to do. You know, you go back and you watch 80 slashes. You got to do that. You go that, that rash of early 2000 sex comedies, right? Like those mm-hmm. things, those things are hard to watch sometimes unless you just, they did not age well. No, no. but if you just turn your brain off and you kind of watch it through that lens, okay, fine. I'll give you that. What was interesting here was instead of just using the angle of satire to beat a dead horse of some of these jokes that were huge in the eighties, they addressed them head on and yeah. brought up the fact that, you know, you can be more than just the, the what is it the the nerdy the shy girl with the guitar, with the guitar. The clipboard. yeah, yeah the, the shy girl with yeah. the guitar and the clipboard like and so instead of just making a movie and calling it an homage so they could do those things they address the fact that movies could be better than that and that was what i think kind of put this above some of the other satirical stuff yeah they're super self-aware which i yes. loved it and they mm-hmm. call you out on it and it's almost like all they're missing is you know ferris bueller looking at the camera being like hey you know this is to you yeah so, <laughs> yeah or what from um from don't be a menace to South central like damon wayne's just walking by or keenan ivory wayne's just walking by the window message <laughs> <laughs> Um, this this movie came out at a at a time where I think Wes Craven had kind of set the standard for what metafictional horror was. You know, he had come out with that um, Wes uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, uh, Scream. You know, all these things kind of addressed this idea that the people within this movie understand what a horror movie is and and know that horror movies exist and they know what the tropes are and they know subsequently how to behave. So um, when, when that gets pushed a step further, you start seeing in uh, right around this time, movies like this start coming out, which take this idea of metafictional horror even further. Uh, so movies like, um, uh was it uh leslie vernon uh the 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 rise oh, of um, the, the rise and fall of leslie vernon oh yeah oh. you know it's 
uh, I, I only saw it the one time, behind but I was like, mask. man, Behind the Mask, that's what I call it. Yeah, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Um, you know, a movie where serial killers exist in this world and people seek out to become serial killers. And yes, this is a like doc- honored. Yeah, it's like a documentary crew documenting this guy becoming a serial killer. It's it, it's uh, it's such an interesting concept, you know, having the movie world exist in this real world, right? Um, I think this kind of takes that and, and again goes a step further, uh, which is that same step that The Last Action Hero took. So you're right in that it's, it's not really unique. Um, what I think is unique is how well it's done. Now that um, that I agree with, and mm-hmm. and and how how diverse it is because this is often called a a comedy slash horror or a horror slash comedy, but there's so much more. There's lots of drama in this, and I have yet to watch this movie. I've seen it a handful of times now, and I've yet to watch this movie without crying at some point in it because it it does speak to a a, a very human part of your horror brain yeah. that um that that everyone can uh can 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 get on board with well and if if i could cross the streams here into something else that's a big part of my life uh in wrestling there's a term that's mark um it's it's a, a mark is just a big fan of wrestling right like if you're a mark mm-hmm. then you always buy into what they're telling you if they tell you somebody's got a you know a broken angle because a broken ankle because of this you just believe them that type of thing it comes from the old carny use of mark for the people that you're going to pick out to get their money from uh-huh. so in the wrestling community that 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 idea of being a mark is you know we, we wear that as a badge of honor and then you have mm-hmm. these you have another group of people who refer to themselves as smart marks or smarks right and they're the people who are so inside wrestling that they know everything that's going on and they're seeing it from all angles at one time those people usually kind of generally assholes but <laughs> like anybody who refers to themselves as a smart mark it's like mm, probably we don't have a lot in common when it comes to wrestling that being said <laughs> <laughs> This movie is for horror movie smart marks, right? Like it's, it is, it is very, it is pinpoint accurate with its laser focus on what it's going to hit hard and what it's going to gloss over. And while there are times that that sells the movie very, very well, there are times where I think the movie kind of slips because of that. There are a couple scenes where they're so focused in on like that idea of just the 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 uh, hardcore horror fan following certain things that certain parts that would sell the movie even better kind of get glassed over or shot real weird. Um, one thing that comes to mind is during Operation Booby Trap, they've got all this really cool stuff set up. Right. They've got the bear trap and they've got the antlers on the door and they've got a bunch of things like that. And while we get little bits of kind of how that all goes together and I get they were working within this PG-13 rating or whatever. I wanted to see the girl's head get caught in the bear trap. Uh, right. Like yeah. I didn't just yeah. want it to be uh, a joke, but I, but I get why they did it because that's not what they were after. They weren't trying to make like a, a gory horror film. It right. was just the comedy of that plan falling apart. Uh, or the chaos of it, even. Well, the original rating was supposed to be R. I don't know if you know that. And that oh, is actually why Taisa had signed on for it. Because if you know, like, everything that she's ever done is, like, R-rated. So yes. for her to do, like, mm-hmm. a PG-13 movie is, like, super weird. And so she had originally signed on. It was R-rating. And I don't know what changed from it. But then they decided that it was going to be PG-13. And I know that when they were editing it, they had, like, a really hard time 
trying to make it into this final product. And then finally they were like, okay, we're okay with it. And we're okay with it being PG 13. But yeah. And so, and so that, that may be why, you know, there may be an R rated cut of this out there where, like I said, that scene had a lot of potential to not just suddenly just be about, you know, like the, the plan. And I get it. Like that. I see that what they gave us was what they wanted to, but I was kind of hoping for a little bit more out of that particular scene. It like the camera work started to get at times cool at times, kind of chaotic, but we mm-hmm. got just fragments of what could have been really cool things. And I think it's because, you know, I I'm more willing to call this a comedy horror than a horror comedy, because I definitely feel like it leans more into that than the horror angle. So I think that that, like I said, that laser focus at the, at the smart Mark horror fan, um both benefits and and is a and is a couple of you know demerits on this movie i'm kind of with you there because this this movie has a tendency to always go for the laugh and um what sucks about that is that there because this is such a good slasher uh you do feel gypped when you don't get right that like gore payoff problem with that is that the humor lands every single time because it is a really good comedy yeah so um it, it, it's kind of one of these things where like it's insistence on being so good on all fronts kind of damages it in a way um it's and and, and it, it's kind of weird because i hadn't thought about that until you brought this up you know i I would like to see some gore, right? Uh, because we don't really get any, and 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 quite frankly, I hadn't even realized it until you brought it up. You know, it, it's it's almost like the original Halloween in that way. Yeah, like there's where not, there's you, not even you don't like a... realize that there's no gore in that yeah. first Halloween until someone tells you. You yeah. always think of it as a brutal movie or the original Texas Chainsaw. There's no gore yeah. in the original Texas Chainsaw. Toby Hooper was going for a PG rating. Like, that's fucking insane. Yeah. Right. I mean, like going he, for a PG rating. He hops down off all those antlers on the door and then they show the antlers and they're all still perfectly clean. Right. Like, mm-hmm. just just give me a little bit more. But. Like I said, it's it's one of those things where you just you look at you look at everything that we're given and you're right. Maybe we're just kind of expecting it to be perfect on all fronts or they were trying to be. But I think that one thing that we can definitely agree on is that where this movie sticks to landing a hundred with out of doubt is the cast. The characters that were given in this movie are there's very purposefully there's stock characters that you would get in a slasher movie and a horror movie. So mm-hmm. some of them are, you know, your stock ones that you're used to. A couple of them are some brand new things. So how does this like breakfast club of bringing all of these different types of characters together work, you know, work for you? And is there anybody that you're like, that one is a character that I love Lisa. Let's stick with the, let's stick with you going first. Um, I mean, I don't know. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of these different people in different things. So it's, um, I feel like for me, the first thing I ever saw Nina Dobrev in was Vampire Diaries, you know? So that was, she was Elena Gilbert on Vampire Diaries. And so to see her in that kind of like supernaturally, like kind of dark something wasn't so different, but her character was very different in the sense of like, you know, I'm a little bit more of like a, 
a mean girl as opposed to this shy, innocent person. But she's still that strong character, which I really liked about her in this movie. She was this strong character. And there are moments where it's like she does have like this I'm not sure of myself and like I am gonna die this kind of sucks like oh my gosh kind of moment but she still plays it really well and then you've got Adam Devine who's just like hilarious in everything that he does right like I assure you probably they were just like here this is the storyline just improv it you know Adam (laughs) Adam Devine very much like Ryan Reynolds just continuously plays different degrees of the same character but it always (laughs) manages to fit like no matter like he's always perfectly cast as just playing the dude from Workaholics, maybe just turn it down some, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it's so funny because you said it earlier, like he is such a dick in this movie. Like he is so incredibly terrible. Um, But man, you kind of like him, you know? Like he's a dick, but you're like, all right, yeah, you're kind of funny. But then like, you know, you kind of are still rooting for them to not die. Um, And Thaisa was, of course, phenomenal. And, you know, you have Malin Ackerman, who's just... First of all, let's just say the woman is gorgeous. Like, oh, yeah. the, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> like, the woman is beautiful. And then she comes out and she's just, like, so well, like, her character so well done, I think. You know, you have, like, this perfect balance of, like, it being, like, this is her mom, but it's not her mom. And so she's kind of playing that, like, I don't really know what side you're seeing like you almost want to believe that is Taisa's mom in the movie you know and Taisa was just phenomenal in every single thing so I mean them that their standouts I think Taisa just that moment of like she sees her mom in the film uh in when they're in the van and they're going to the camp and she turns around and she just has tears in her eyes because it's the first time she's seen her in three years that hit me I was like man that seems so raw so real you know so so yeah Dave? Uh, one character that always stands out to me, and she makes me laugh so much, is um, Angela Tina? Trimber as Tina. Yeah. <laughs> she is just she, hysterical. She damn near stole the movie. <laughs> she did. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that strip tease she does, you know, and she lifts the, the bikini top with the <laughs> la 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 <laughs> so so damn funny she plays that character so well because uh she does you know put on some of that airheadedness mm-hmm. uh, that we are used to in that role but she also turns up the charm like she makes her such a likable character um which we don't usually see in these kinds of movies we don't normally see the you know the the airhead who's really just wanting to you know get some dick over summer you know and she's not portrayed as the person who has heart the one with heart is the you know the the virginal girl the final girl right the one who's going to survive right um so to to see her get that sort of uh you know a character where she's like she's just she's a really sweet girl you know um i really like that um the other character that i absolutely love because i see myself in him is uh thomas middleditch is duncan i adore thomas middleditch like it he's made hysterical me just, i mean just it was, because of silicon valley 
But yeah. like, just man, like to as soon as he showed up, I was like, okay, yeah, I'd forgotten he would like I'd seen him and I forgot <laughs> he was in there, and then I was just like, it was a whole new level of happy. I was like, all right, yes, great. Yeah, he's uh, for me. He was one of those guys where I, um, I was like, that's me. Like I would geek out if if I met someone who was even related to horror royalty. Could you, you know, could you just zing me just just one time? Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, that was so good. The writing's so bad. Like just like, just, like, like the fact that he got to that that he got to live that moment and enjoyed the, like he knew it was going to be bad and that was the pleasure for him. Perfect. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah, he, he he gets it. He loves it. Like this is his life. You know, the, the fact that he proudly uh, calls himself and his friends the bathmaticians, <laughs> you know. Uh, like there, there is, uh, there's a degree of nerdy there that uh, if you yourself are not a nerd, you don't really appreciate. And um, I, I, I really see myself in him. I, I, I typically see myself in the flawed characters in movies. They're typically the ones that die. I don't see myself as a very heroic individual. I am the guy who would sit there, snot nosed, crying, hoping that I make it through. I'm, I'm, I'm not a. I'm going to survive the zombie apocalypse guy. Uh, I just know it's not going to happen. Right. Well, so, I mean, and he, he essentially got to live Randy from Screams, like wet dream. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, like that's he, exactly he, what it was. He got to be Randy 2.0, like like bigger, better, uncut type thing. And it, it, he also serves the purpose of like really making for real uh, the horror that everyone is going to be living through because he's like, hey, guys, it doesn't matter. We're not in this movie. He's not here to hurt us. Right. And then whack, he gets a <laughs> machete thrown at his abdomen. And then he's just like, uh, fuck, and then dies, you know. And then he, later he's like, I'm not dead. You know, it's just <laughs> so great. Absolutely amazing. And then the fact that they wake up all together again at the hospital is just brilliant. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to the hospital scene. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, man, th those two characters for me are the – like every single every single person's great in this. Um, and particularly the, the real-world transplants coming into mm – -hmm the the movie yes. world they they are the standouts for me like i've loved uh alia shawkat from from it's, her Arrested uh, Arrested development, development yeah. days Ger i mean Ger she gertie on film here maybe in my heart like, yeah always and forever she's uh she's a she's a scene stealer anywhere you know she goes um and um and uh, one guy that I, I I think doesn't get enough credit because he he plays the character like because he's a really good looking dude, and you expect him to be an asshole, but he never turns into the asshole. He's just like a good guy, and he and believably so. Uh, the guy that plays Chris, yeah, Alexander like I, yeah. Ludwig. I kept, I kept waiting for the the asshole turn. Right, right. Like, I was like, like you're gonna like, pull nice a scream. Guy. Yeah. You're gonna yes. pull a scream. He's gonna be bad, and like that's what's gonna happen. But I actually think he. I mean, speaking of International Women's Day and allies, like that man for real was like i'm gonna support you i'm gonna show vulnerability and there's like a moment when he says you know when they ask how he's feeling he says i'm scared and i just thought that was so raw you know like it was just so real it was uh, i i yes you're absolutely right dave totally <laughs> yeah i mean just everybody in this played you know played their part so perfectly especially when a movie is based on everyone fulfilling a certain part which to 
an extent I think makes it harder because when you're, when you're just tossed into a movie and your character is just one of the stereotypes, you just got to play that character. But when the point of the character is to be the stereotype, I can only imagine that that's going to be harder, especially when you then have to become somebody who either has to become better than that stereotype or somebody who's trying to educate someone else about how they are while also, you know, like you get you get uh, Nina Dobrev paired with um with the 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 rocker chick. Uh, I can all of a Paula, sudden, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And and then and also with Tina, and it's like, oh, okay, like you're both the hot ones, right? But mm-hmm. then like, but she's she's the hot one who's trying to survive, and she's the hot one who's just worried about the next time she's gonna take her top off. But they kind of make each other better, right? Like she's she's more relaxed until she's a whole model of Adderall, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got this. I got this. It just like everybody took that part of the movie and just and and made the absolute most of it. And I was always surprised. Like even uh even the people who just didn't get a lot of screen time. I mean, Paula's only in the movie for well, what, like three and a half, four minutes before they jump in the car and she crashes it. Right. I mean, what a death. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Such a great moment there. And then the guy with the suspenders who. Oh, uh, Blake. Yeah. Blake. Yeah. Who who ends up, you know, kind of being a love interest with Gertie or whatever. He was so funny because he was the one guy who like never seemed to fully comprehend exactly what was going on. But Uh he was just he was just along for the ride. Like that's what everybody else was happy to be there. Yeah. (laughs) I love I love the moment when uh, when he's like, so so this isn't real. And they're like, no, it's not. And he goes, uh, is New Wave real? Right. <laughs> like, like, that's what he's concerned about. It's like, no, no, no. But this this nerd character is like really into New Wave. I need to know that New Wave is real. <laughs> uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Frank Kowalski. Explodes says, uh, in she style. explodes in style. And that she does. Yes, yes. she yeah. absolutely does. De- definitely in style. But yeah, so I I think it's I don't know that there's really anybody who stands out here because I think that everybody does an equally good job of taking their stereotype to the next level, whether it be the 80s counselors who have to learn to live beyond that or the modern day people who have to accept that they are one of those stereotypes and then choose to make it to be more than that. Um, So I don't like I said, I don't know that there's any standouts, but I think that everybody did a spectacular job. You you know, what's really interesting to me is like a a character is only what its creator puts into it. And so characters can be one dimensional characters can be three dimensional. And we do see characters that are pretty one dimensional in this Uh, intentionally. So like uh, Adam Devine's character, Kurt, is very one-dimensional yeah. and he plays him that way um i think paul is actually pretty one-dimensional her sole purpose is to be the final girl and, and so i think that to get those characters out of the way pretty early is a really smart decision um like rhetorically like to take these characters out like as the writer that's the really interesting thing because when you have a character like um uh, Amanda who like yes she's the shy girl with the guitar and the clipboard right but the guitar and the clipboard can tell you something more about her 
right? Why does she have the guitar? Why does she have the clipboard? There's obviously something to her character more than um, I was going to bang Kurt and then die, right? right? <laughs> uh, whereas Kurt, like the only reason the character exists is to have sex, is to li literally provide the tool to kill the women that are going to die in this movie. They're right. Too busy. <laughs> what does he say about the guy's dads? Oh, no, gay guys can't have kids. They're too busy going to discos and having sex. Which I mean, it's a, it's a pretty sweet life, I guess. <laughs> oh man, what a great fucking line! <laughs> um, you know, so, and, and and so to to see these characters work through the situation that they're in, with the limited scope of actual character development that they can have is really, really interesting because Tina doesn't have the, like the, the depth, the range in her character that Amanda does, right? Because Tina's sole purpose in the movie is to take her top off. Right. right. And so like the Adderall doesn't really do much to change uh, Operation Booby Trap because all they have to do is give her the go ahead. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, now is time. Oh, fantastic. And then here, you know, here comes, you know, Warren's cherry pie. And and now we're we're taking our top off. Right. Whereas, again, I go back to the fact that, you know, shy girl doesn't necessarily mean that she doesn't have more going on, just that it's not on the surface and the clipboard and the guitar like she can be a leader. Right. The person with the clipboard is the person you look towards yes. when there's yeah. when there's a problem. Right. And the guitar implies that there's some sort of like creativity there in her, right? Some and creativity would to me lead me to believe that you're a problem solver, right? So or 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 something along those lines. I don't know that that logic necessarily follows outside of my head, but to me, there's something to her that the other characters don't have. Just like Blake, he's not really a very well-defined character. He's, and it's part of the reason why he lives as long yeah. as he does, because he doesn't serve one particular purpose in the movie, right? I mean, if if we're if we're looking at this realistically, and this is an eighty slasher, the purpose he serves is for diversity, right? Yeah, he's 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 he's, he's the token character, right? But there's more to him. Because he's not defined. And so his character is allowed to accept this situation that he's in. And, and, and he plays that beautifully. I, I think that there's so much depth to that. And the characters each, whether they are supposed to play a one-dimensional character or a three-dimensional character or an infinitely dimensional character, like that is something that I think the movie nailed on, on such a, like a microcosmic level. But it's really cool when you start looking at it. Also, just quick side note. Um, did you realize that Paul, the, the actress who plays Paul, Chloe Bridges, I believe is her name. Um, her and Adam Devine are married in real life. They actually yeah. met on that set. Oh, is that where they met? Yeah, okay, yeah totally. Like, I, that I, I didn't know. trying to figure out like where we knew her from. And I was like, oh my God, it's Adam Devine. Adam Devine's real wife. Yeah. Yeah. They actually <laughs> met on that set, which I think is like super cute. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There you go. So uh, one of the other things that I think this movie does really well, and I kind of mentioned this, is the, the story aspect of this, right? This is not unique, this idea that you can jump into a movie or, you know, being uh, 
something metafictional. But you have two stories here that kind of represent that like tale old as time uh, kind of storytelling, right? We have that traditional summer camp slasher, right? Friday the 13th, sleepaway camp. Uh, I mean, there's there's no shortage of camp, summer camp based slashers, right? Um, the burning Fear Street just did one. Madman, uh, Fear Street. I mean, we could go on, right? Um, I can't think of any more right now. But we, I'm sure we could. If we search the internet, we could go on. If you gave me another minute, I could probably come up with another one. Uh, so, like, that's um, that's classic in the slasher genre. And so is the mother-daughter reconnection story. I mean, that's been told, you know, upwards and downwards, sideways, a hundred million different times and in different ways. And I think that this movie manages to have each of those things done independently and bring them together for something that's a whole new experience. Right. So uh, my, my question then, I'm going to keep throwing it back to you, Lisa, is... <laughs> How do they function on their own, these two different stories, right? And how do they interact to create this kind of new experience? Oh, good question, Dave. Well, um, I think, I don't know, it's interesting because um, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, you do the slasher situation of, you know, very Friday the 13th. I mean, even the songs that they're singing around, like, you know, the, you know, kumbaya situation. Oh my gosh, kumbaya, kumbaya no. no. So good. But you know, you get that. I mean, you even get like their outfits. It's so, it's so Friday the 13th, right? But the fact that you put people in a high pressure situation of like a slumber party kind of thing where people join, like make these bonds, it kind of works really well to then further build the bond with the mother and the daughter, right? So like the whole thing is I want to save my mom, right? It's not like just I'm reconnecting. It's I want to save my mom and I don't just want to save her. I want to bring her back with me, you know? So when she's saying like, I can bring you back and, um, you know, Nancy's care. Well, Amanda, Nancy, you know, however you want to refer to her as she's saying like, oh, you know, I could go to college. I could be this. I could do that. I could go shopping at a mall. <laughs> And then she's like, well, no, we do shopping online. <laughs> she's like, what, what is that? She's like, never mind. I made it up. Um, you know, I like, love those, that line. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. She's like, I don't have time to get into this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like those kind of things of like, it's, it takes it to that extra level of not just, I want to reconnect with my mom. It's that I want to save my mom, but it's not just that it's the sense of, I'm letting go of my mom, right? So I think that is really such a big thing where she has to accept that, you know, her mom is gone. Like, and she gets that closure. She gets to say, I love you to her mom, you know? And it's, so it's that closure. It's the sense of like, it gave her that final push of like, okay, I can kind of move on now. You know, a lot of her relationships had been broken. You know, she was best friends with Vicky and then, everything happened with her mom and she's no longer friends with this girl. And so it really wasn't just about the mom. I think it was about making connections just with all the people. And I think just that having it as a slasher film where people could possibly die made it the perfect medium for it. 
to happen. Like it just kind of was like, we're going to speed this up. Kind of like how you get a Disney movie and you kill off a parent to make the, you know, kid grow up faster. Very yeah. similar, you know? Yeah. I, th I think that when you're talking about the mother daughter storyline, the, the element of it that gets twisted up here, that makes this something uh, new and interesting is that idea of only one of the per people in the mother daughter reconnection story is actually trying to reconnect yeah. right like this isn't this isn't two estranged uh individuals that are now trying you know both coming to terms with their flaws and and meeting in the middle this is somewhat this is one person who's completely unaware of what they mean to the other person and because she's not actually you know her mom like she is right. but she isn't that whole thing but to her she's this is just some girl that she's just met. So there's, there's, you watch what Melon Ackerman did so amazingly uh, in this role was you watched her pick up on the subtleties of the way that, uh, that uh, Max was interacting with her. And while she, you know, not until the very end did she kind of outright say it, but she watched her become very aware of the fact that even though she didn't understand why she knew that she meant something to this girl. Yeah. And the, the subtlety of the acting in that aspect was incredible. And that's kind of where that element of the story got taken somewhere else, especially when you've got the, uh, when you've got the other people telling, you've got Vicky being like, that's not your mom. That's not your mom. These people aren't real. That's not your mom. Like just, just being shoved down her throat constantly. But to her, it didn't matter. She knew, she knew that wasn't her mom, but also, yeah, that's her mom. And like, I, I haven't seen her in three years. It's, when we, when we did Hereditary, I talked about the fact that her, uh, there was there was an underlying current in the movie Hereditary that, that just grief is a bitch, right? And you get that to a much less a much less extreme here. Um, while we're watching Max deal with her grief, you know, she agrees to go to the movie, but only because the dude's going to do her homework. She's not going to do the Q and A because that's not something she's ready to face yet. But then when she actually does have to face it and she kind of does have to take this grief head on, she is fortunate enough to have, you know, a face to do this with. Whereas in hereditary, it was just the mom like dealing with like the idea of her daughter still existing. So, but it, it really goes to show that, yeah, everybody's always saying this isn't your mom, but she needed that. And her grief made it to where even though this was physically her mom, it was not mentally her mom, but the surrogate that this actress was providing in this moment was plenty for her. And she closure is the word that Lisa used. And it, and it's perfect. She didn't get that because I mean, honestly, the scariest, like the most jarring moment in this film for me was the car accident at the very beginning. <laughs> like that yeah. was probably the one scare that I got because that kind of came out of nowhere. Like, yeah. and you know, for, for it all to just end like that is, is something that I, that I can't even imagine. So to get any sort of closure has got to be great. So I think that that's where that particular storyline kind of gets turned on its head and made into something new The the slasher thing. And they just, they just had fun with that. And the, the story that they told with that, was good it was better than some of the other slasher stories it's better than the story in texas chainsaw massacre last week 
right? Yeah. Because you know there there is growth and development within those characters. The only problem I had with the slasher element of this story is by act three, I felt that there were so many things that they kind of kept hitting on, like reminding you that these are tropes so much that by act three of the movie, it was like, now you're kind of starting to fall victim to those things that you open this movie making fun of. I get exactly what you mean. And maybe this isn't what comes to mind when you're thinking it, but like there's one scene and it always pisses me off in every scary movie, anything, right? It's like, Oh, the, Villain is down, the bad guy's down, but instead of actually making sure that he is dead and that we are good, we're just gonna run away. And I'm like, seriously, yeah, like Every this could have ended this movie. Yeah. Like, how many times, you know, uh, Gertie and uh, Blake kissing instead of like, you know, going to make sure that this dude is dead? Like, how many times does that have to happen? Like, yes, I totally feel you in that sense. It was like, all right, cool, you're just making the story longer now for the sense of making the story longer right and so that that is that is one of the major faults of this for me is in in this movie it's just the fact that we're presented so often with the fact that this is making fun of and making tropes better but by the end of the movie it's definitely falling victim to some of those things that it's been satirizing the entire time yeah see i saw that a little differently um and i'm I'm gonna have to do a very um infrequent disagreement with with daniel here daniel and i are usually on the same page um i think in the same way that the characters from the real world are affecting the characters in the movie world the characters in the movie world are rubbing off on the characters in the real world and uh we we see some of that because they 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 do behave just as stupidly sometimes right um you know because we we see that in um in duncan you know duncan's like oh don't worry nothing's gonna happen to me like he feels safe right even though he knows there's danger right how many times in uh the original fight at the 13th does ralph warn everyone uh you're 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 getting into (laughs) trouble if you go over that way right like he knows there's trouble and yet he stands there and takes a fucking selfie Right. Um, You know, to me, there's a sense of like the the stupidity of these characters is rubbing off on you, too. So this idea where like in the real world, Gertie, like Gertie's a pretty assertive character. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And 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 pragmatic like she would not in the real world, I think have sat there and looked at Blake and said, kiss me, you fool, you know? (laughs) Um, But in the movie world, where this unbelievable event is occurring, they start behaving kind of like the, the characters that they're trying to behave more, getting to behave more like real people. You bring up a really good point and you can actually see it too specifically with Gertie there's a point when they're picking up um like wood for a fire or whatever and she hears like a rustling in the woods and she's like let's get out of here like that's a smart move right she's like all right let's go but then like literally just you know after the montage where they're doing you know the whole booby trap thing then mm-hmm. she's like yeah kiss me so you're absolutely right i yeah definitely uh, and and i can i can see i could I, when you put it that way i can i can see it i can see that but it doesn't make it any less annoying. <laughs> no, and it, it 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 may not. And I could be reading into this. Right. That might not be the reason why. It could just be that the writers of this movie were like, oh, 
this is where they kiss. Right. And mm. so, you know, but it, I, it, it, it very well could be, uh, you know, but it, as we, as we talk about the story, I think there's the, the one of the main things that we can't walk away from the, you know, I, I honestly, I suggested this one just cause I kind of knew what it was. And it was called the final girls. So I figured it would be great for this international women's day episode. But what we presented here is a cast of badass women um from from the 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 ones in the movie that grow into being something more from the ones in the real world who rise above themselves um when put into this insane situation so when you're just looking at the stereotypes that are kind of assigned to them either by the movie or the movie in the movie um you know how do they take those ideas and then make them better to create very memorable characters lisa so I think that the first thing that comes to mind is definitely um, Paula being the original, you know, the final girl, right? So she's the one that's supposed to be, you know, the final girl. And um, she comes in and she's like this badass girl, right? She comes in, she's got these, you know, army boots and she's like, you know, smoke and she's all like, I'm Mrs. Cool, right? Marble um, Reds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you get her and you're like, no yeah, of course. For her. No, <laughs> you get her and you think like, okay, of course she's the final girl, right? Like she's such a badass. Um, but then she dies within like five minutes, you know? Um, so I really like the idea of the fact that, um, you know, Max is so incredibly vulnerable and so fragile in, from the beginning of like the moment she gets into the film, um, where, you see that growth within her and you don't need to be like this stereotypical badass chick. Like she's badass just because she continues to go on. Right. Like that for me, I think is one of the strongest things. It's not all about like how physically strong you are because you get this dude, you know, Chris, that's like this, you know, very strong looking man. And he's the one that's the most vulnerable person on that entire movie. So it's not about, brawn it's about more just who you are as a person emotionally strong and i think that counts so much more and i think that's really what makes the difference between these women in this movie they're all so different characters like they're all so very individual but also badass in their own way because they continue to go on they continue to fight and so i think that's one of those things i mean you know even when you have um gertie and um vicky's character when they are literally under the bookcase and they're telling these people you know go on where there's nothing that we're going to do and they're sacrificing themselves like that's badass like that is pure selflessness and i just think that that's really what makes the difference it's not about them it's about the group as a whole so um, there's a lot to go there but i i mean i just think that for me if i had to sum it up in something it's about that it's it's about being able to look at yourself and being able to accept what is there what your actual strengths are and what you can build on so yeah and I think I think that one one of my favorite ones of taking the stereotype and turning it is in Tina. You get mm -hmm. this. You get this. You know, she what her her opening line is like. I brought a bikini, a suntan lotion, and, and diaphragm. And a diaphragm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, she's the she's the sex crazed one, and and she's there to be the boobs and the boobs and blood because it's an eighty slasher. <laughs> what was awesome was watching her take control of that. 
And now she was still going to show her boobs because, damn it, she was going to show her boobs. But now she was doing it for the greater good. Right. And on the one <laughs> hand, it's, it's, it's funny. But on the other hand, it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? If this is who I've got to be and this is what I've got to present to the world. Right is just is is Adderall driven sex crazed striptease. <laughs> then I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna do it my damnedest, yes. and I'm going to help save all of my friends by showing my titties. Right, and that's I her think, strength, and that's <laughs> that's what we need more of in this world. Yeah, uh, women who are saving the world, <laughs> one boob at a time. One boob. At you a know time. what? I'll take one boob at a time. Two boob at a, two boobs at a time. Better. But but if what you've got for the world is one good booby, then God damn it, let it out. If you got two good boobies, yes, we'll look at them and you can save the world with them. Ladies, if your boobs are going to save the world, then set them free. Free the nipple. Let's go. (laughs) I, I, you know, that, but that was such a cool moment. And then, um, you know, Malin Ackerman got to do the same thing, right? She got to embrace this fact that her character was going to die for being sexy or having sex. And she did that to save and sacrificed herself by doing it, realizing that when it's called the final girl, the only way that works is if one of you is the final girl. And so she took what she's given her creativity and, you know, her sex appeal. And she used that, for good, which, you know, you normally don't do. It's normally a plot device, especially after Vicky looked at her and was like, you can't be the final girl. You're here to be part of the body count. Yeah. yeah. Like to have somebody. That was, that was a hard scene. That was brutal. Yeah. And so to to rise above that, but also, you know, she she was part of the body count, but she realized that if her place was to be part of the body count, that she was going to do it in a way that was going to provide the most help. And that's where it gets real cool, right? Vicky acknowledging I'm the, I'm the, the mean girl and I've made it past the halfway point. I'm not long for this world. You know, like one of the, one of the things about mean girls is they don't know they're mean girls, right? Like, or they yeah. know, but don't care. She was remorseful about the fact that she was a mean girl and was, was coming to, and was facing these things. And so you just, all of those stereotypes getting taken to that next level, like you were talking about, that was just huge. For me, um, I, I mentioned that this is, this is a movie that always makes me cry. Um, and I'm, I'm a cry baby. I, I mean, there are very few, I, I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast. Before. <laughs> uh, there are very few movies that I don't cry in. Listen, and we're not crybabies. We're just emotionally intelligent people. Okay. I, I, well, my you're emotional. Not, you're not stunted like me. It's okay. Right. My, <laughs> my emotional intelligence is like Mensa Same. level <laughs> intelligence, if that's the case. Um, so Mine's I Neanderthal level. So. <laughs> I um the in the very first scene of this movie, I think it, we get everything we need to know about the the heroics of the strong female lead and 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 i think that that first scene in the movie is a better example of what it means to be a strong woman 
than anything we see later in the movie when they're sucked into Camp Bloodbath. We we see uh, a woman who is providing for her daughter without compromising her own integrity yeah. and 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 who she is. And we see a daughter who is doing for her mother what her mother can't do for her self, right? Um, and and each one kind of giving to the other what the other needs. You know, when uh, when Max is telling her, like, you know, but wh where's this money going to come from? When when she grabs that those bills and she just throws them out the window as she's getting silly to uh betty davis eyes which by the way oh, oh my, my god, god what an incredible use of that song and when it comes back at the end of the movie yeah um like that again i get emotional because it's like damn like your your mother was showing you at the beginning of the movie that it's okay right we'll be fine and they're playing betty davis eyes and then again at the end of the movie she's showing you you're gonna be fine right She's, I mean, she didn't sacrifice herself intentionally at the beginning of the movie, but it's definitely an intentional sacrifice at the end of the movie. And uh, the emotional awareness, you, you mentioned this, um, Daniel, earlier, the, the emotional awareness of these characters and how she's able to say, I know I mean something to you, but I don't know what it is. Right. But either way, I, I'm willing to mean that thing to you, right? Um, I think that this plays to how brilliant an actress she really was in the movie, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because within the movie, we see her unable to give up acting. Like, she needs to continue to act to be uh, herself, right? And um, we we see her in a role that's much more defined than any of the others. And we see her, Oh, like have this emotional awareness that the other characters don't have. And I think it's because she, Amanda imbued this character with a little bit of herself. Well, Something... Max even says that too, like just like things that she says, like let's rock and roll, right? Mm -hmm. Or oh, you must think I'm a total zero. Like it's so, and I yes. think that's the part that it makes it so hard for Max to differentiate one from the other because yeah. they are so well intertwined with each other. And um, she mentions or Amanda mentions earlier in the movie, she's like, oh, you know, I I, I can't escape this movie, uh, and yet it seems, you know, by all accounts that she got closer to expressing herself as an actress in this one movie than she did in anything else. Um, you know, I, I, I love this aspect of the movie. The, the fact that the, the mother is strong for the daughter and the daughter is strong for the mother and each gives the other exactly what they need. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's, and that's more of a, realistic badass woman than what we get later on in the movie which is fantastic i mean you mentioned yeah. tina she rises to the occasion she was like I, I i gotta show my boobies to save you all fantastic i'm showing done you know yeah uh you know 
it's it women rock yeah so <laughs> well the movie's definitely full of badass women there's one badass dude that we've just got to discuss and it's billy murphy you know we we spent a lot of time talking about the deeper elements of this movie the comedy elements but it is also a slasher so what we get here is billy murphy who is really just jason Voorhees, right well you know he's got the goofy mask and all that but he becomes more than that so when you're looking at the kills and just billy murphy as a character where does where does all that fit into how you feel about the movie lisa I think, and this is my only, not, I mean, this is one of my issues with the movie. Um, the fact that he only comes out when people are getting freaky, like <laughs> that's never really like addressed why, you know, like, why is it only when people are just like, you know, about to have a fun time that you're going to be like, okay, now's my time to come kill them. So I think that's, I think one of the only things where I'm like, all right it makes for good movie totally but why so i feel like that bugs me that i don't know a better backstory to that like is it just because they were camp counselors but if they were just camp counselors he would have killed them all earlier you know so that part for me kind of bugs me a little bit um but i i do like his character a lot and can i just say i don't know how we haven't brought it up yet the slow motion scene where yes. he is fall mm -hmm. jumping out the window. Oh my God. That for me was unbelievable. So I don't know if you know, that whole thing was originally supposed to be like three minutes long and they were like, no, you got to cut it. And so they ended up cutting it to a minute and a half. And that's what you see. It was three minutes of slow motion. <laughs> yeah. It was three minutes of slow motion. And they were like, yeah, no dude, we're not doing three minutes. And he was like, no, I won't cut it. Um, but they did, they cut it down to a minute and a half. But so that for me is just beautiful. Like it's shot gorgeously like just yeah. that there there are uh, we we haven't really talked about the director but there are some really incredible shots here oh my god uh, yes the the one where uh they're getting the room ready for operation booby trap and the camera like it's one seamless shot and the camera pans from here to over there and then it kind of like sweeps under the floor it does a lot of the sweeps and the big the sweeps and swoops Right. <laughs> yeah, the, the, it's it sweeps and swoops. It's very actually like Martin Scorsese style. Yeah, um, just like kind of a little more grandiose uh, and and in your face about it. But uh, you're right. Like the some some of the cinematography here. Oh my god, really great. gorgeous. Yeah, no, really, really. And that was one of the first things that I uh, noticed actually when I was watching it. I was like, wow, this is just beautiful. Um, so so that scene of him chasing them when they are after you know Operation Booby Trap. Um, <laughs> I just think it gives so much on like him. It's just like. It's great. And you see more of his backstory, which I, um, you know, I mean, people suck, right? Like, what makes you think that throwing freaking, like, fire, what are they, those things called? Firecrackers? Yeah, firecrackers. Yeah, like, throwing that is going to, like, how? let's be real for a sec. Like, that's not going to make somebody, like, cut, like, where's the logic there you know like people suck um but and then you see that in the faces of these people from in the flashback you know the real life people when they're watching this they're like man this freaking sucks and there's nothing that they can do to stop that mm -hmm. so you really do feel for him in the sense of like man he just had a shitty situation the homeboy was like bullied the entire time i mean it doesn't make it okay for you to go around killing people you know we've all had terrible <laughs> situations in life and we're not murderers that we know of um so so 
like that for me is the only thing <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> that we're willing to disclose. Um, uh, so that for me, I, I do feel for him, but I love it. I think it's fantastic. The fact that he's getting his revenge on these people, I'll bet uh, just a weird way of like, I'm just going to wait for these people to get freaky in order to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that there, there are some, I mean, the mask, right? Like, Ooh. you know, when well, Friday the 13th, it's iconic that he's got the hockey mask, but it's three before he actually gets it, right? Yeah, uh, he's not in the first one. Right. And, and, not uh, in the first one, the one is and in the second sack. one, it's a it's a sack. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they, 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 they knew what they were doing here where they were like, okay, we're, we're going to give him something iconic. The, the Tiki mask is hilarious. Like, it's, yeah. it's funny. Um, especially to put it on somebody who the very first time he worked, I think they said he killed 12 people, right? That original time. Um, he definitely has the Voorhees strength um, and resiliency, um, if, if that's a word. Uh, he's, he, he embodies all of those things with, you know, I, I don't know that he ever really rises too much above just kind of being a Jason Voorhees knockoff. I think that uh, you're talking about the flashbacks while there's some really great things with these. If when you're drawing the direct line from this to Friday the 13th, one place that, 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 that Friday the 13th does it so much better when you talk about the flashbacks is this suffered from Malin Ackerman telling that story and um, not having Betsy Palmer telling the story like <laughs> Betsy Palmer telling the story of what happened to Jason is just, you know, one of those yeah. great things that you're never going to be able to touch. And so when you kind of recreate that scene, you can't help but draw those comparisons. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that they made him a Jason Voorhees light on purpose mm -hmm. and they gave us just enough of that. And he was he was fine. He definitely had he definitely had some really you know just some good kills like the like just squeezing like the yeah. head right and like that snapping stuff around. Yeah. He he did some he did some really great stuff. And I'm sorry, he's killing. He didn't even kill Duncan the second time. But just when we're talking deaths, Duncan like the fanatic getting two deaths. Come on, that's awesome. I know. Well, I mean, it's had it not been happening to him, he would have probably been like, "That's amazing," you know. Exactly. <laughs> probably, but he, got to, yeah. but he got to live that moment. Right. <laughs> I um I personally love Billy Murphy, um, and I am I'm a sucker for a good campfire story, and I think that Billy Murphy um as told uh, the Billy Murphy story, the legend as told by uh, Malin Ackerman in this is one of the best. Uh, it's, it's up there with um, the way Jason's story is told in Friday the 13th. I think that it's up there with uh, the way Crowley's story is told in the burning. Um, I think that it's up there with uh, the, the madman from madman, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those like crazy good campfire stories that like scares you because you end up thinking, um, is there something to this? Right. Because uh, like Gertie, like you hear that rustling of leaves and twigs and you're like, uh, maybe we should walk away from here. Right. Uh, but there's nowhere to go if you're in a summer camp, like you have to stay. Right. So I, I, I think that he's um, he's definitely up there for me 
in the like the the great slasher killers um you know as i mean as far as screen time goes you can't compare him to a michael myers or a jason Voorhees or you know anyone like that but um i uh i've got a weird litmus test for whether or not i i like a villain in a movie particularly a horror movie and the the litmus test is do i want the NECA toy company to make an action <laughs> because um, you name it. And I've got an action figure for it. If there is one, yeah. uh, you, you can, you can see my bookshelf behind right. me for those of you that, that, that watch on YouTube and Facebook. Um, it is lousy with horror action figures, horror, uh, primarily eighties horror and action. Uh, if there is a Schwarzenegger or Stallone action figure that has ever been released, it is back there. Uh, if there is a Jason Voorhees that has ever been released, it is back there. Um, so I, that's my litmus test. I want, I desperately want a Billy Murphy action figure to throw back there. And, and, and for me, that says something that says that there's, there's something somewhat iconic about him, you know, are his. Are his kills as brutal and gory as we want them to be? No, I will give you that. The PG-13 rating, I think, took care of that and 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 kind of puts an end to, to that brutality. We don't get that uh Rob Zombie Michael Myers. You know? <laughs> we don't uh we we don't we don't get the the Jason Voorhees from from the 2009 reboot here right we're uh we're we're getting a pg-13 version of jason and and i think that's okay but he has he has this um like weird sense of humor that jason also has uh which is hard to give to your killers right yeah like freddy's got that sense of humor and he has his own sense of humor Chucky has his own sense of humor. And this is why these guys, I think, are so iconic because uh, their humor lands because they are funny, right? Uh, because you either are a funny villain that people can laugh with or you're a totally emotionless killer that people are frightened of like Michael Myers. Right. And um, I think that Billy Murphy has this sense of humor. Where, um, like we 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 see it in the way that the story in the flashback is being told, and he's just sitting there whittling that that. I don't know why that makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> seeing, seeing him whittle that tiki mask, you know, as as Malin Ackerman talks about how you know, yeah, he took he took up whittling, and I was like, this is fucking, <laughs> that, that's 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 hysterical. Yeah, you know, arts and crafts, why? Man. You know, yeah, he's he 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 turned in into uh, into a regular you know arts and crafter, uh, arts and crafter. I'll take it. arts and crafter, craftsman, craftsman, arts and, arts and craftsman, an, an arts craftsman. An arts, an, arts, an arts craftsman. Um, he turned into a regular arts craftsman uh, while he was in the hospital. Uh, yeah. You know, 
I don't know. It's, it, For me, me, it comes out in actually the kill with Duncan. You know, it's such mm-hmm. like he's so toying with him, you know? And yeah. so like he's like and Duncan, you know, poor guy. He's trying to get a selfie, right? So he's like, oh, he's not going to kill us. I'm going to take a selfie. And then he's like, oh, OK, no, wait, we're safe. He's not going to kill me. And then he just, you know, Billy walks off and then he's like, Wah-ba-ba! and then he just like kills yeah. him. <laughs> Well, yeah. it doesn't, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, 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 I credit where credit's due. I did forget about that one. Like the fact that he walked off, like after he took the selfie, like to make him feel like he'd won, <laughs> right? And then threw it back. There, there. Okay, yeah. Nah, there, there is, there is something to that one. <laughs> yeah. that I didn't think yeah. about. Yeah, that one. That that one. That one is really good. I did. I did like that. I didn't he think about al- him. He off. also waited for Blake to kiss Gertie. Yes. To skewer him. Yeah. You know. Um, like well, that- I think it's because of it's it's his code, right? So he was like, I couldn't kill him yet. He hadn't gotten freaky with anybody. But the moment he kisses Gertie, he's like, my time has come. I will now kill but, him. But he breaks that the co- bar is that on the floor Duncan. for what that dude considers freaky. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, whatever, bare minimum. Yeah, yep, exactly. let's do it. <laughs> A church would consider that sexual. Now you die. <laughs> you didn't leave room for the Holy Spirit. Sorry, no room. <laughs> No room for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, my God. oh man, I, I I was legit told that by uh, by someone at a, a Catholic school. Uh, I, many I a time. To, yeah, uh, <laughs> Lisa and I went to uh, to to Catholic elementary and middle school and, and high school uh, and high school different different Catholic high schools. Um, and uh, uh, they they didn't say that at my Catholic high school though. No, uh, they said it at mine, and we had a principal that had a uh, a floodlight and would uh, stand at the top of the bleachers and just like <laughs> aim it down at everybody and be like, nope, nope, no. Nope. Oh my god. Oh yeah, oh, I miss god. that dude. <laughs> uh, well, so you know, we 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 we've talked all the characters, we've talked the kills. You know, we, we've, we've talked some of the great moments and, and we're, we're going to get into rating, but just kind of a couple of things here that, that I, I took some notes on just, just kind of, I'll throw it out there for you guys too. Was there, was there just anything else that you just loved about this movie that we did, didn't really fit into any of the categories because I would be remiss if I did not talk about how genius I thought the idea of the fact that the people who came in from the real world could hear his yes. music. When he was getting close, yeah. I loved that so, so much yes. because that was that was just that perfect thing, right? Because as the as the viewer, you're always like, "Oh shit, it's about to go down." Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? Right? It's like, "Oh shit, yeah, let's go." And so the fact that when they were in the movie, like they could still hear those things, like, "Yeah, I thought it was funny." They had to like step over the words in the flashback yes. and you see the credit yeah. roll, but like. But hearing the fact that they could hear it when he was close. And, and like I said, it's just that I thought that that was such a genius moment. It just didn't fit in any of the categories. So I was just. No, and I think it it's there. interesting, too, when they go into the flashback, the flashback the second time, how like Nancy's like, is that what I sound like? Is that my voice? So like, <laughs> yeah. like, I just think like it was so funny that like, you know, now she's hearing it too. Like she's, and so I really, I thought that that was genius. Yes. Definitely. If, if there was any doubt in her mind that what they were saying was right. true. Right. Like that, that was washed away at that moment. And, and also like thinking, wow, we can teleport. Yeah. Into the flashback. Cause we saw this happen earlier. Right. So like, say it, say the thing, say the thing, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like that, that was, that was absolutely brilliant. 
um, if mentioning things that like just didn't really fit into any one area, I do want to mention what I think is possibly the like in the mountain. If we're doing Mount Geek Moors here, <laughs> the mountain of horror movie endings, um, and and it really only works if you have all the other horror movies that have come before, particularly Halloween two, yes. right? Because Halloween two picks up on the same night. It's the same Halloween and the bulk of the action takes place inside Haddonfield hospital. Right. Um, so for these actors to now, all of them, even the ones that have died, wake <laughs> up and, and, and now they're inside this hospital with, um with max and with chris right uh, and it's like wait where but how right and you don't notice right away that you know all the beeps and boops are coming from machines that are from the 1980s right yeah. right and then as soon as they peek around the corner like the doctor's being just a little too frisky with the nurse mm. you know uh and, and it was the 80s <laughs> <laughs> exactly right and then here comes fucking Billy Murphy crashing through there, and then the the clamp the the camp bloodbath yes. thing just flashes up there, and you're like, "Holy shit!" They're in part two. That's right. There was a double feature the night that they yes. went into the movie. Like that was to me, it's one of the most brilliant endings. Yeah, because it's like, no, you didn't survive. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and also for one of the tells to be the fact that he spotted a can of tab. Yes. Oh yes. my god, and the freaking gremlin. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> yes, yeah, just like well, like the quick, the quick shots of like, oh man, here's all the clues you missed real fast. Like it's all right. coming together. Like that shit was. Yeah, that was really funny. All right, yeah. so there we go. So now we've all had that one extra moment. So it's that time of the show. <laughs> where we're going to get to where we rate the movie. Now, if you're new to Shiver, we always like to let you know or remind you, if you're not new, that we only rate a movie against itself. So we don't rate a movie in stars or something that just goes from movie to movie. We rate things only against themselves. So we come up with a unique rating system. And I think that there's one thing that we all established a little bit ago that was a great moment in the movie. And it was a movie, it was a moment that celebrated while also satirizing the 80s slasher. And that's the slow motion jump. Mm -hmm. So if when we're going to look at this movie, I want to know, Lisa, out of a possible 90 second slow motion jumps, <laughs> five out of a possible five 90 second slow motion jumps, <laughs> what do you give the final girls? I give it like a 4.25. We're gonna need you to go up or down one. Ah, crap. Up or down well, a quarter. We uh, only do. We don't hold halves. We don't math hard here. It's the oh, it's yeah. the ultimate. It's the ultimate thing because it, you're gonna have to go either higher or lower than. All you're right, thinking. we'll go lower. We'll give it a four because there's always room okay. for improvement. <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. enough, Dave. Uh, I am going to go up to the four point five. Um, the, the the only thing that would get this to a five the only area in which it's lacking i think is uh really committing to its um to its horror movie love and and giving us some of those gory kills yeah. uh, because you, you you mentioned earlier daniel like you can be a horror comedy and still like be horror you know, uh, yeah, like Idle Hands was. Idle Hands is is really funny and really gory. Um, possibly my favorite horror comedy. Uh, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. Period. Not just horror movies. Uh, Return of the Living Dead is like like fucking leave you in stitches funny, 
and yet still really gory, you know? So I, I think that we could have gotten some of that gore. I would have loved to have seen like Tina's head splat right open, yeah. you know, when it got trapped in, in, in that bear trap. So there's, there's, you know, just little things like that, but otherwise, um, I, I, I think that this movie is one of those that borders on perfection uh, because in almost every other way uh, it, it really does. It, it, it makes you laugh when, when it wants you to laugh. It, it makes you wince when it wants you to wince and it makes you cry when it wants you to cry. So I've been back and forth with this one a lot. And like, I, like, like, I, you know, just revealed to Lisa, like we always say, we don't do quarters, right? Because I feel like where I would sit most comfortably with this would be a 3.75. Um, but I'm not going to do that. So I've been trying to figure out if I was going to go up or down. I think that the comedy aspects of this are done very well. I think the acting is all very good. It does leave some to be desired with the kills. I do think that the camera work is great when it's great. I think there's a couple times when it's not all that great. Like when they're in the, the house that, uh, that like that, shows up in like the flashback the second time that Malin Ackerman had never seen. Mm -hmm. It's all maybe just a little bit too dark and I kind of get it, but also, eh. so mm -hmm. I've been back and forth, but uh, one of the reasons that I do love doing this show is because when you do get a chance to kind of debrief on something like this, you're now face to face with either, you know, the uh, remembering that there was more about it that you liked or more about it that you didn't like. And there is more about it that, I liked when I was thinking about this initially and not that I ever disliked it, but I, I do think that the, the likes are going to outshine the dislikes. So I'm going to hit that four mark. I think that this is a huge recommend. I, I honestly can't think of anybody that I wouldn't tell to watch this movie, because even if you're like, I don't like scary things, you know, this movie's not that right. scary. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's uh there's I can I can see we you know we had we talked about how uh you I think you said this is one of if not Neary's like favorite scary movies yeah. right and I can see why because it's definitely a scary movie but it's not that scary and it's very funny like I can see mm -hmm. that so I honestly can't think of anybody I wouldn't recommend this to so I'm just gonna hit that four because yeah like Lisa said there's there's room for improvement there's a couple things I wish they'd done differently but I think a four is a solid spot for it so Let's see, four, four, eight. We're at like 12 and a half divided by three. It's 4.16 repeating, which I don't feel comfortable saying out loud on a <laughs> on a horror podcast. So uh so so we're just gonna go four. We're just gonna, gonna go, go four. Four, so, four stars, so four uh, slow four motion, 90 seconds slow motion, motion jumps. Jumps. <laughs> uh so there there you have it. Four 90 second slow motion jumps. Um and, and 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 I I think that's okay. I think that this is uh, this is right where where the movie needs to be. Um, for those of you that have stuck with us for for the entire show, and and as I, I see the counter of people here, it looks like most of you stuck with us for the whole show. So thank you very much, uh, particularly to uh, to Mr. Kowalski. Thanks for for coming in and commenting. Um, so we 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 want to thank you. We also want to direct you to some of the other Geek Bro Network podcasts, uh, shows like Better Let Me Tell You, shows like um, Dose of Ellie, uh, Comedy Fitness, Kick Flicks, 
uh, our sister podcast, Crimecopia, Seasons, a TV podcast, What's Up, Bro, and Mount Geekmore, where you can find Daniel and myself uh, ranting and raving about the top four of a geek subject for that week. ranting and raving is really the best way to put it. It's, I, I, mean, I, honest, I think so. To God, yeah. I don't think there are two better words that describe what we do. <laughs> over on and you can find all these where Daniel, uh, if you head to geekbro.net, you can find all of those. If you're looking for us specifically, you can find us at shiverpod.com or we are on all social media as at shiverpod. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on any of those. We released our schedule last week for what we're going to be doing in the month of March. And usually on Mondays, I try to remind everybody what's coming up that week, give you a little lead time on watching that movie. And next week, we are going to get into that very rare moment where it's a movie that Dave and I will both be watching for the first time as we are going to be celebrating St. Patrick's day next week with what has been described to me as a twisted Irish fairy tale of a movie called the hallow. Uh, It came out in the same year as this actually in 2015. It's going to be new to both of us and the, the numbers on it are good. So I'm excited to give it a go. Absolutely. So make Uh, sure that you head to shiverpod.com where you can check out all of that. And like I said, the, you'll get the, you'll get the release, uh, the release calendar. We try to do all of those. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm just happy to be included. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, not, not because you're my sister, but I did enjoy you being here. Oh, thanks Dave. You were great. Yes. (laughs) So um, on behalf of all of us here at Shiver, fright you very much.